Well, it was a chaotic final day in ACC basketball play. We've got Mitchell Northam and Adler and Alex Simon all here live from Cameron Indoor to break it down. The Lockdown Women's Basketball Podcast starts right now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making the Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant match deposit with the promo code Locked On. That's L O C K E D O N. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. Well, hello, everyone. Alex Simon here coming to you live from Durham, North Carolina, where we've got Ann Adler and Mitch Northam all from the next. We've got a trio of folks who were just here inside Cameron Indoor for what was potentially going to be Duke's coronation game, a win for the Blue Devils. And they would have won the outright. They could have won the ACC title, not outright, it turned out. But Duke gets upset at home by their local in-state 10 miles down the road rivals, North Carolina, which opens the door for Notre Dame. But M, as we're sitting here on press row, we had maybe the shock of all shocks, which is that Olivia Miles left that game in Louisville early for the Fighting Irish. So not only do you have Duke going 0-4 against UNC during the hashtag Kara era, you now have, uh, instead of being the one seed with uh, your two-seed team losing really it's best player and like the big engine that's kept them going after their only good sh- like only like volume shooter went down you now have them stuck in the two seed which by the way because of nerding winning also locks unc into the seven seed which means in almost all likelihood we get this matchup again for the third time this year in the quarters of the accs we not only get that but you have notre dame's depending on what happens with olivia miles they might just be your lame duck number one and a Florida State team currently losing to Clemson on the road might kind of walk into the title game. Yeah, we are recording this at 3.15 Eastern on Sunday to get kind of the instant reaction here from the floor live. And Mitchell, uh, I think I was the one who told you that something happened to Olivia Miles, or did you find out like at halftime from somebody else? How- so for context for uh, everyone listening on the podcast or watching, I was taking photos during the first half walked over back to my seat on press row and Marissa uh, from Her Hoop Stats was sitting next to me and she actually had the Notre Dame game going on her uh, tablet and um, so I caught a glimpse of Miles sort of gingerly walking off the floor. Um, Yeah, it's pretty crazy that, I mean, we're talking about someone who was most certainly and probably will still get ACC Player of the Year votes. Um, could could super, be the ACC Player of the Year. Certainly. Sure. There there are, I think, at this point, we're both voters. There are probably about three ACC Player of the Year candidates, and she is one of them. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah, you're talking about, I mean, the engine that makes Notre Dame go. Like, sure, was Dara Mabry a really tough loss for Notre Dame? Yes, but it wasn't, like, the end of everything. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how they function um, without Olivia Miles. Um 
I'm sure Neo Ivy will figure something out. We obviously don't know how severe this injury is, but she did not come back into this game against Louisville, you know, a situation where, yeah, you're trying to win an ACC title uh, and grab that number one seed. So a crucial, really meaningful game by all means, and she did not come back into it. Um, so it doesn't sound good. And, yeah, I don't really know what that means for Notre Dame. Um, I, I would not consider them – if Miles is not able to play, I would not consider them the favorite in the ACC tournament. And um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people picking them to get up in the first round of the NCAA tournament without her. Uh, we'll make note – again, we're recording this. It's very quickly after these early games that include Notre Dame, that include Duke, North Carolina, end – uh, Notre Dame gets the win with we us unaware of exactly what the status is for Olivia Miles because Sonia Citron scores 27 points. And they actually come from – they were behind when Miles left the game. They come from behind in Louisville to get this win to secure this solo ACC crown. I, I mean, as much as we kind of fear what Notre Dame could be without her, this is a pretty impressive win that they had to get without her today. Notre Dame is a team with a lot of talent. They are very deep. Her, like when, when Darren Mabry went down, she basically got replaced by the composite number 20-ish. Uh, I think actually a little bit higher freshman in the country in uh, KK Bransford who's really stepped up and really grown into a really competent role as, he's, as, season, gone, as season has gone on. With Miles down, she probably gets replaced by a early enrollee in her first semester of college, another five-star recruit in this class in Cassandra Prosper, probably not as prepared as KK Bransford is just from a couple different perspectives. It's a weaker class. She's lower ranked. She's also, again, in her first semester. Talking about a team that is laden with so much talent that, you know, from an encore perspective, they have a lot of talent and there are a lot of times to fill the gaps. Louisville's defense isn't, you know, going to be the difference between that kind of team making and not. But when you look at having to play Florida State with the kind of versatility they can play with, even with a down day like today, defenses like Dukes, like UNC's that, that you have to get through to, to win the ACC, they don't have any shot creators right now. Maddie, Maddie Westbold can get her own shot at times, but they don't have anyone who is going to get shots for themselves and get shots for others right now. If they don't have miles. Yes. We'll, we will keep saying that at different points to make it clear, but I mean, you look at the box score, Mitchell, from that Notre Dame game, and especially knowing that Olivia can't, didn't play at all in the second half, what stands out to you from what Notre Dame was able to do today? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a really impressive and important performance for Citron. I mean, 27 points. I don't know if that's a career high for her, but it's probably pretty close to it if it's not. Um, that we are we are unaware of being able to look things up. It sounds like <laughs> it could be, though. I mean, 20, might look it 27 up. points is, is really impressive for her. Again, in a crucial game with a title on the line, your last regular season game, the number one seed at stake. And your facilitator right. leaves the game and, in the first half. Right. Yeah, so your you backcourt mate leaves the game. Um, and then, as Em mentioned, you know, Cassandra Prosper, 11 points today off the bench. K.K. Bransford, 14 points today off the bench. Um, you know, so that's really important to get production out of those young players in this sort of type of environment that I'm sure um, in Louisville, you know, felt like felt like March. Um, By the way, all reports out of Louisville was that it was very loud and very packed in there. Yeah, the uh, Young Center packs it in. They, they get loud and um, I, I believe they led the ACC in attendance again this year mm. with what a lot of people would consider maybe a down year for Louisville. Well, funny enough, I've actually thought I've been impressed by Louisville. And even in this loss, as much as it is a painful loss, I think they are undoubtedly at this point a tournament team with what they've been able to do in ACC play, even the struggles that they had I don't, in non-con. I don't think that's even close to being because the non-conference slate was what it was, but like Tennessee, who was pretty much like 
you look at two teams having the same sort of storyline, and even in conference play, those two teams are right there with each other. It's funny that they started the down slope that ended up in an upslope in their conference, but they started that in the same Atlantis tournament together around Thanksgiving. Um, you know, I don't think I don't think it was even in question coming in today whether or not they're going to make the tournament. They're, I believe, right around number twenty-five in net. They, they were going to finish coming into today, fourth or fifth in the conference. And look, they kind of skated by with their schedule. They got to avoid playing the the uh, Tobacco Road teams really twice, um, but and they caught some and they caught a couple different teams in the in the uh, ACC while they were dealing with some injuries or on the wrong end of their own down cycles. But look. This is a this, this is a good team. Jeff Waltz is an excellent coach. He's getting my coach of the year vote right now, I think, just because we've seen everyone on the team play before. They are really not playing any freshmen. And we've seen how they've come together as the season has gone along. They got they have a ceiling for what they can do in in March. But you know, just the fact that that is the caveat we're saying here is so much better than what it was three months ago. As we kind of look at what Louisville has become and we look at kind of the ACC writ large, before we get to the game that we all witnessed here in Cameron, first I want to talk to you about prize picks where on a daily basis you can get projections on any sport that you watch. That includes, yes, the NBA, the NFL, MLB, NHL, but it also includes women's college basketball. If you want to see if Sonia Citroen can keep this up when Notre Dame takes the floor next, if you really like Haley Van Lith and think that she can score, if you don't believe that Duke is ever going to score a point again the way that M. Adler does, uh, you can take the under on these player projections. Price Picks lets you take the votes, not necessarily against other people. It's just you get the score and you get to choose. Do you think they're going to go over or under that? It is fantastic. Make sure you sign up for Price Picks today. You can get an instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's pricepicks.com, promo code locked on. Thank you for joining us back here at the Lockdown Women's Basketball Podcast. We are coming to you from the floor at Cameron Indoor, which was sold out for the first time in, I don't even know how long, but 9,314 strong. And boy, Mitchell, there were quite a few of Tar Heel Blue fans that filled this place and seemed to really make an impact with their noise to help Carolina get what ends up being the best kind of rivalry win possible, one that stings your rival more than anything and takes something away that they wanted that. And stings in more ways than one. Yeah, I mean, there was um, a lot of loud Tar Heel fans sitting right here where the crazies usually sit. Um, right they they invaded the Cameron crazy space. Um, I mean, the, the Tar Heels, like that chant, like that was a noticeable like loudness. Um, it's pretty impressive. Um, you know, and there were a good amount of Duke fans here today, too. And, um, you yeah, know, I think Kara said it in her postgame press conference. You know, that's, a, I think, a testament of sort of their growth this season, Dukes. Um, but also Carolina's, you know, Courtney Banghart has been building this thing up. You know, UNC had their first sellout since, like, 2015 earlier this year um, when they hosted NC State. And when they hosted Duke, they had, I think they set a program record for a number of student tickets sold. Um, so, you know, here in the triangle, I mean, it's it's really good right now for women's college basketball. You know, NC State isn't ranked right now, but they, they sold out all of their ACC games this year. Um, Reynolds is still one of the best environments for women's college basketball. It's incredible. Um, and, uh, yeah, and this was a really great environment here today at Cameron. Yeah. I'm, and I'm, is, I'm, I'm very spoiled to get to come from the West Coast <laughs> and take a little vacation time, slip in, get some work today, and be here with you guys. And, and as we sat next to each other today, uh, I was – floored by what Duke was able to build in an environment that the team on the floor had uh, 
some interest in matching and wasn't able to step up to the moment, could you say, or would you disagree? I mean, I'll just say on uh, in terms of the fan perspective, I have gotten to see in my time here, um, you know, if I, if, if I had taken a fifth year and I, and I matriculated during uh, the, the 18, 19 year instead of 1920, um, I would have sort of gotten the full perspective of it, but you had Duke, Duke women's basketball games in the mid aughts and the like early 2010s were it, it basically, UN, the UNC game sold out. You mean the years where there's Final Four banners up there that they made it to the Final Four? Yeah, they they had some huge crowds during that era. The year where they the years where where they're starting center made four straight first team All American teams. Yes, the they the the women's team was as rocking for basically every home game as the men's team was, and that waned a little bit towards the end of the uh, Coach P the McCallie era for obvious reason. And then you know the first year or so of the Kerr era, especially coming back from COVID and the team sort of sagging down at the end of last year, it did not help them at all, really. You know, but my freshman year, 1920, there were still some rocking games in here. Um, yeah, I was, I was here for some of those games the last year, the, the Joe and Pete McCallie era. When UNC, when UNC and State came here, it yeah. was, it was fun. I mean, they had a good team that year. They were going to make the NCAA tournament, Haley Gorecki, Liana Odom. They're in ACC. Yeah, that was a great team. I think they had a really long winning streak near the end of the year. They went like 11 and 2 um, down the stretch, And they beat Carolina in this building. That's the last time they've done it. Um, which, so, which is a yeah. note, by the way, because they – Duke didn't play beyond a certain point of the 2020-2021 season. Kara still is now 0-4 in this specific rivalry game. And especially the way that this game happened, I feel like, M, you would say that this played to the way Duke wanted this game to go. And th- that maybe think, makes the loss sting more? I think it played the way both teams wanted it to go. That's Duke fair. probably wants it to go this way a little more. They're a little less equipped to to sort of play a game against either Virginia Techs of the world and still win in the way UNC can. But I think we've seen largely this is the way that both teams are playing, even if it's not the way probably UNC wants it to go. But I think, you know, this kind of result and the competitiveness, even if the loss maybe stings a little, a lot more than a win, especially for fans, you know, I think we're probably still a year or two away from truly being able to say, like, like the fan sort of turnout is back to where it was in those, like, mid-2010s. But this is what you want. This is what you need. Even, I think, I think a, a five-point loss here is better for the environment in the in the short and long term than a 20-point win would have been. And I think, you know, if they can keep up this level of competitiveness, the recruiting looks, with, with where it is, it looks like it could be. Certainly, players want to play here. They love playing for Kara. This is, this is really returning to be one of the great centers of the women's basketball fandom and atmosphere in a way that UNC kind of already is and has established itself probably for the past couple of years. It's an ama- it's just an amazing place to be. And Mitchell, Courtney, ba- I mean, Courtney Bangart was glowing about not just <laughs> not just the win, but kind of what it means to win in this building, in this environment. It's the lowest point total Carolina's ever had in a win in program history. I looked it up. The previous low was about a decade ago when they scored 48 in a mm-hmm. win. To win 45-41, I think 53 combined turnovers in this game. I, we're we're really seeing a moment, I think, for Carolina in what's been admittedly a, a, a high challenging season. Not challenging in a, in a sense of, you know, they've gone through struggles, but that they have played games like this, high-level, intense games against the top competition, night in and night out. And to get this win, especially coming off of a buzzer-beating loss at home that we were both mm-hmm. at on Thursday against Virginia Tech, is a huge kind of some wind in their sails. Yeah, for, for them. sure. And it's the first time that 
UNC has beaten Duke four times in a row since 2006, um, which was, you know, a good era for UNC basketball as well <laughs> and, and a good era for Duke. So those are some good Duke, Duke teams they were beating. Um, yeah, this is, you know, Carolina, they, they had a stretch in the middle of the ACC slate where they went on a pretty good winning streak. I think one five or six or seven in a row or something and, and like that. And that was after losing the first three. Right. Um, and then they dealt with some injuries, um, you know, lost some games they probably shouldn't have lost. But yeah. it was while they were trying to, you know, bring along some of these younger players who made an impact tonight, like yep. Paulina Paris and Caleb mm-hmm. McPherson. They both closed the game. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think that time, while UNT suffered some losses, it will prove to be valuable as they go into March now because those younger players have the experience. And now UNC is fully healthy. They have Utsby, they have Hobson, um, they have Kayla McPherson, who has, I think, just played her ninth game of college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so yeah, I think going into the tournament, this is going to be valuable for them. And yeah, it's 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 a big kind of momentous, you know, win. And Courtney Banghart, more than maybe any other um, coach in the triangle, maybe more than Westmore, certainly more than Kara, I think, just like understands these rivalries yep. and like plays them up and plays yes. into them and has fun with it. And I think um, has done some good for women's basketball in this area, just yep. kind of, you know, talking about it and talking it up and sparking sparking the, the fandom. It's also easier to spark it when you get the wins too. Probably. And, and I'll say in terms of them bringing the freshmen along, they are now quite literally 10 deep, the 10th player in the rotation. Was, was ESPN's number 13 recruit in last year's class, Tiani Key. Yep. And and they have been healthy, like you said, now for exactly two games. They, they in the first of those two games, that was set, or this past Thursday, you were there. They just barely lost to the easily the hottest team in the conference in Virginia Tech. Arguably the country for teams that have lost games. Virginia Tech looks that hot, you could say. Yes. And then they came in here and did this today. That's what you're looking at with what UNC is doing right now. And obviously, you know, for UNC, they will have to win to force this matchup for a third time. But they look like a team that might not get a chance to host without a run, maybe all the way to the ACC championship game in the ACC tournament. But I think they probably more than anybody that would be a like five or six seed right now would be like, I, if I'm a three or four seed, I do not want to see them on the other side of my bracket right now if with how that- deep they are and how versatile this group is and how battle tested they clearly now are if they beat if they beat their the the match that they play in the second round of the ACC tournament that'll be unc's first game they're playing they're they're going to play a team that will not that probably will not be invited to the wnit if they if they win that game they will then have a rematch against duke if they win that game they will then almost certainly have a rematch against virginia tech that is their path through the ACC championship game. If you win both, that maybe does get you all the way up to think, a four seed, but that's that a tough will, task. I think that will probably be enough if if they do, if they I, do I, that, if that scenario happens. I mean, if you beat two teams that are going to at least see themselves on the three line. Because Duke easy. and Virginia Tech are locked in. If you beat both of them in back-to-back days, you're there. Um, yeah, you're. I, I think you're you deserve to host. Yes, absolutely. And I don't think we would say that that would be the case if they had lost this game. This game gives them that yes. window. And we have seen, again, these are the last two teams they played, and I they've played I, them incredibly tight. I think more than anything, winning this game might give them a shot to just beat Duke again, and then as long as they don't get blown out by Virginia Tech, you have an argument, easy argument for a four seed, especially when you consider they they, they were missing Hogson, their only good shooter, and a great one at that for 10 games. They missed Usby for five games. Mm-hmm. And they suffered, I think, three or four conference losses in that span. Yeah, they will, and will. Usby just does so much for them. I mean, so I, much. they wouldn't have... She, she, she allows them to play a little undersized at the five and a little pretty limited Yeah, I don't think this too. game would have been competitive today nope. without Utsby. Um I mean, she led them in rebounding. Um, she she scored nine points. Um, 
you know, she just does so much for them offensively, defensively. Um, and, you know, she made an impact game in that game against Virginia Tech. There were so many times during that five-game stretch where they didn't have her in Hobson where they got out-rebounded or they just got out-toughed, and she just kind of gives them that grit. She's really important to their success. And we will certainly get a chance to see, and we'll talk a little bit more as the ACC as we go national here in just a moment. But first, folks, you know, when these teams play again, it's going to be March. And with March here, if you're going to end up like me, what you basically do is just you're glued to a couch all day, you're sitting down, you, like, don't move because there's so much basketball to watch with all these conference tournaments. But if you're trying to snack healthier while doing that, you have got to get a Built Bar. Built Bars are only 130 calories. They're 4 grams of sugar and 17 grams of protein. So they're healthy. Not only that, and they taste great too. So if you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-1-5, to get 15% off of your next order. Once again, that's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON15. So as we take a look here, we are currently recording. It is now, as we record this, 3.35 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. We literally, M has a computer right here that has the Iowa-Indiana game on. So we don't know exactly how some of these conference tournaments that we're looking at are going to truly shape up. We know a general shape of the ACC, even though as we record this, there's still Virginia Tech to play tonight, that they're locked in at three, but we don't know, you know, will they suffer a loss maybe, shockingly. We don't know. The one conference we do know, though, because they wipe, wrapped everything up yesterday, is the Pac-12 out in my neck of the woods. I'm going to get you guys to talk some West Coast ball here. And that Utah win over Stanford doesn't impact doesn't impact seeding, but it sure impacts a lot of what I kind of perceived of this Utah team. It, do, it doesn't impact conference seeding, but it sure as hell could impact uh, where everything in the NCAA tournament runs through. I, I guess Mitchell... I don't know if you were able to watch yesterday, but to me, watching Utah get this win as we kind of record, you know, we're doing this live, folks. But when you take a look at comparatively, does it feel like the Pac-12 and ACC have had a similar thing where there's just so much quality that you just don't know what's going to happen on any given night when you go to watch a game? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think that the yeah, that certainly the Pac-12 and the ACC really. I mean, there's just so much quality from like teams mm-hmm. eight to number one. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think the Big Ten and the SEC, to a little bit of a lesser degree, is really top heavy. There's mm-hmm. you know the Big Ten, there's like five teams at the top. The SEC, there's like two, and then there's sort of a cluster. Um, but yeah, you know the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, you know Utah was eight and eight people last week. Stanford was number three. You might see them swap this week. Um, we got the top 16 reveal, you know, a couple nights ago, and, and Utah had a number one seed. They were all the way up at four overall yeah. and at the one seed line, and um, then they got this one. Yeah, so I, it's pretty impressive. Um, I didn't, I think when the season started, I don't think I imagined a situation where Utah and Stanford weren't going to have number one seeds, but we could be heading there. I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be really interesting to see kind of where – the rest of these conference tournaments shape up because I think Stanford could easily, I think both of those teams could, could end up get one at seeds. one yep. seeds in part because we've seen UConn lose another game and actually almost lose a second game this week. And if UConn doesn't get Azzy Fudbeck, then you're looking at a very different resume and one that really, I don't think, sniffs a one seed. And LSU, despite the net. LSU, for as much as they have gotten to this point with only one loss, it's clear that the committee doesn't really respect what they've done the committee, and the one loss is a bad loss to South Carolina at that we've seen in pretty much every sport that that factors in on this level with this with this kind of level of attention and detail given to selections it's not NCAA but but the um but the selection committee for for um the, the 
the uh, football bowl series, um, semifinals and championship, men's basketball, women's basketball, really both soccer's and both lacrosse's. At this level, it's proven time and time again, the committees care more about who you beat than who you lose to. And LSU has beaten decent teams, like teams that I have in my like, my, like top 25, but they got crushed against their only top 15 opponent. And, and as we kind of look around the country here too, within this, it, I think the takeaway that I have from both the Pac-12 and the ACC as we wrap up here is playing in these tough conferences might give you those numbers, but they don't in any way denigrate the quality. And I think everybody is starting to realize that yep. even with teams that are the eighth and the ninth and even the tenth, they're giving you games that everybody knows are really different. And you and you played a little bit of a you played a little bit of a walkover in its non-conference schedule. But the difference between that and LSU is Duke went out to the to the West Coast and they played two t- and they played um, they played uh, a couple of really good teams out there. It was so Iowa got, and Oregon. It was uh, yeah, you. They you got Oregon you, State. It, it was Oregon State was the other game. Was it, it Oregon State? They, no, it was Iowa. I thought they were in that four with it Iowa. Was, it was it yeah. was something like they, that. They sought it out. Oregon State was the only Power Five opponent LSU played. And yes. I think as we wrap up here. Uh, we want to thank you guys for joining us here as we're kind of getting kicked out <laughs> by the sounds of the cleanup here happening. I guess, is there, do men play basketball, M? Do they have that happen in this gym? I don't they, know. They do, but they are no longer playing in this gym this year. Oh, so we're, so they're literally getting this gym ready to be done for the season. So we're going to let them do that. We thank you whoa, guys. Whoa, 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 whoa. The women will play here again. Ah, you know, you're right. I should, I should be careful there and say that there will probably be NCAA tournament games here. So I guess if you lose in the first round of UNC again, you never know. Kara needs that first win off over UNC pretty soon, I would argue. Thank you guys for making the Locked On Wounds Basketball Podcast your first listen today. Now make your second listen, Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball.